My loves, this is episode eight of the first series of the Sacred Transformation podcast. And this is the final episode of this season. I am very excited today to introduce you to not only a member of Waypoint, but our current president. Her name is Kathy Sanquist. She is an absolute delight. She is a certified coach, an Enneagram practitioner, and um, has been leading Waypoint for the last couple of years. And uh, as you will hear from this podcast recording, she is an open-hearted, open-spirited soul. And today she's going to be talking to us about joy. And in all honesty, I don't think there's any better way to end this season. We've um, been into some big topics and this is another big one. And specifically at the moment, um, life is not straightforward. 2020, hey? Um, But she takes us on a journey into the concept of joy that I think will help all of us um, with a question at the end that is a simple and yet profound one around the concept of joy. So it has been such a delight to start this first season introducing some fantastic people, having some great conversations all around the idea of coming back to life. Uh, We'll likely be back in the beginning of 2021. Who knows what that is gonna hold? Um, I'll be telling you some more in the coming weeks and months about season two. Uh, But for now, please enjoy the final episode of season one, All About Joy with Cathy Sanquist. Well, the lovely Cathy Sanquist is here with us today. Hi, Cathy. Hi, Helen. I was about to say good morning. I'm excited to be here. I know, it's good morning for you, isn't it? It's good evening for me, but it's good morning for you. That's right. yeah. Tell us a little bit about you and where you are in the world and what you do, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I live in California. I live in uh, the part of California that's called the Santa Cruz Mountains. Um, so I have this beautiful blend of, uh, of a forested environment where the beach is not very far away. So it's nice. this little sweet spot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. So appropriate for joy, because I find a lot of joy in, in living here. Uh-huh. Um, I am a, uh, a wife. I've been married uh, to Tim for 33, 34 years. I forget actually exactly what the date is at the moment. Uh, we have three grown children. Uh, the oldest is married, and they had their first child this summer. So oh, our first granddaughter. A sweet is, new season. Yes, yes, exactly. That's been wonderful. Um, I am a life coach, and um, also am currently the president of Waypoint. Which yes, you are. <laughs> one of the big joys in my life. So, um, yeah, so that's just a little bit about me. Yeah, it's great. And um, how have things been this summer for you? Because um, obviously, first grand baby, but mm-hmm. complicated mm-hmm. times. And yeah, very not complicated. the most straightforward, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like no, understatement? Very century? <laughs> yeah, so COVID, such a disruptive time. And then this summer, super disruptive. 
you know, and the blessings though, I mean, there's um, had wonderful time with our family, mm-hmm. um, with our new granddaughter, you know, been, she lives, they live about eight hours from us. So this isn't the kind of opportunity that we have just to go next door or across town. It, it takes a lot more um, effort to be together um, in person. So, yeah. but we were able to do that a few times um, also able to be with my siblings, with my brothers, um, two of the three over the summer um, for a really special um, time together. Hmm. But then uh, in a complicated way, things get canceled. Family reunions get canceled. There's disappointment with that. And then the big thing um, that happened was that we had a fire near our house. You know, yeah. California has had a lot of wildfires and early on, um, one of those wildfires uh, came within a half a mile of our house. And so we had to evacuate um, and, and haven't had to do that before, haven't mm-hmm. had to go through that as a, an individual, let alone as a community. And um, yeah, so it, lots of, you get thrown into things, <laughs> right. you know, so there's been a lot of that and some of it you expect and some of it you don't expect. So, mm. Yeah. It's been quite the summer then. <laughs> yeah, 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 it has. So I keep hoping it'll kind of settle in and then it doesn't. And I think maybe that's just going to be true for a while, you know, mm-hmm. in this season of the world where we are in a definitely a time of transformation, which I think we'll talk about here in, in a little bit. But that inc- includes disruption, you know, right. part of that process. Yeah, and, and just so much where you have to let go of things, which like – we know as coaches is true. We help people with that all the time. Like there's always a letting go before letting come and all that, but the constant having to let go of things like, yeah, let go of any planning, let go of anything that was already in the schedule. Like I should be today. No, not today. Next week, getting on a plane to come and fly to not far from you. I know. Like, yeah, it's just so much letting go of anything that feels firm at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So the reality yeah, of it is uh, bring so many emotions with it. Right. I'll say yeah. that again. I said the reality of it is fun. <laughs> I'm not sure if fun's <laughs> the right word. <clears throat> she said, <Yeah>. hopefully. <laughs> Which leads us into yeah. our topic. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to oh have a conversation goodness. about joy. Yeah. Which yeah. I love that we are ending this first season here mm-hmm. because we've covered a ton of ground um, and some of the harder stuff around the idea of coming back to life around the idea of sacred transformation, but it feels like this first season wouldn't be complete without this conversation. Yeah. Um, Where do we start with this idea of joy? Yeah. Um, I was noticing the same thing as um, I was thinking about talking about a different topic today, you know, or eventually when we did this interview and as I had been in the series and listening in the series um, and going through a few of my own experiences, I, that's when joy just became such an obvious choice mm. um, that it's super important in transformation. And I wanted to start with this little story that happened to me yesterday. Um, I, I, I mentioned that I live near the forest and the ocean. And so there's a lot of hiking opportunities. And so yesterday um, I, I went for a hike and one of my favorite hikes is, um, just locally, there is a, um, like a tourist 
um, experience called Roaring Camp Railroad. And it's this little railroad, this little train um, that takes people through the Redwood Forest and just goes up the mountain and it comes back down in these open air compartments. Um, and then there's another train that will take people all the way down to the coast, to the beach, to the boardwalk in Santa Cruz and back. And so it's just really fun. And this train has this lovely old fashioned choo-choo. It's a steam engine. And, um, and so it just has a really great vibe, mm -hmm. happy, happy vibe. And, um, and so one of the trails that I like to do and I chose to do yesterday is um, a trail that sort of goes up the same mountain as the train does. And so sometimes you can walk on the train tracks or you can, you know, go in and out of the forest, depending on what trail you're in. And so as I parked my car and got out of the car, there was another, um, there, there was a mom and her son that were going to be um, going on a little hike themselves. And this child was rather young. I think he was about three years old. Hmm. And so you're kind of aware that you need to keep your distance socially, <laughs> you know, where's my mask, you know, even though we're all outside. And so they, they appeared to be going in one direction and I was going to be going in the other around this loop. But as I took a few steps in my direction, I heard these little feet coming on the gravel path and I turn around and this little boy is just barreling towards me talking a mile a minute about his hat and his backpack and he was going to get to see the train and he just was just full of energy. And I just mm. thought, wow, how, how delightful as I'm kind of like, do I put my mask on? Do I step away? Do I, I don't want him to think I don't want to talk to, you know, it's the things you go through because you're wanting to engage with this child, but you're also wanting to keep the child safe right. and the mother safe and just kind of honor those social distances. But we figured that out. And I kept going on my walk and they were behind me. And pretty soon again, they were catching up to me and they were running. And I realized they were hearing the train coming. Um, and the train was, you couldn't see it, but you could hear it in the mountain. And um, so we all started gathering speed um, because there was a place where the path would come across the railroad, the railway tracks and you could see the train go hmm. by. So sure enough, we got there and the child got, you know, to watch this train go by and the mother was taking a little video of her child watching the train go by and all of us were just in this moment of joy. Hmm. And um, when the train passed, the mom turned to me and she just said, I couldn't have timed that any better. And and I deliberately decided to use the word joy because here I am thinking about this topic that we're going to be talking about. I was like, I was going to name this for what it is. And so I just simply said, what joy? And she said, yeah, he's contagious like that. Oh. And then she paused and she said, well, in a good way, because we just cracked up because, of course, contagious means something <laughs> much more serious <laughs> these days. <laughs> right. right, right? And, you know, he, he was, he was really contagious. And I just said, and don't we need more of that mm. in the world right now? So that's just where I wanted to start was joy is contagious. And it was such a delight for me to be in that moment to pay attention to it. And, um, 
even today in thinking about part of my joy coming to this conversation has been reliving that, that little experience mm. yesterday. So, so beautiful. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so true though, isn't it? When you, I'm, it just makes me think of little moments where you yeah. witness someone else's joy. And particularly there's something about the way that kids do joy, right? They're, they just mm-hmm. give themselves fully to it. Like yeah. they're so unconsciously completely you know wrapped up in it um yeah it, it does it draws something into you out of you I don't know which way yeah. it goes but it, it's it is contagious right I do think it is and um you know it it, it strikes me that especially in our work um, as coaches as spiritual directors um, counselors there's been a lot done around the topic of empathy and the mm. importance of empathy um, and being present to somebody else's experience so that you can understand, you know, their point of view, understand their experience, understand their emotions. And it's sort of like, it, it, even though it's not a one-to-one correspondence, like we are not in their shoes, you know, we approximate their experience. We lean towards it. Mm. And I think that happens also with joy. I think we can leverage empathy and joy. So it's not just our joy that we have, but we can also experience a level of joy in observing someone else in leaning into their experience like that little boy's yesterday. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm super conscious to, well, A, the fact that you're bringing this topic here and now, Mm -hmm. but also just on the back of the conversation we've had about your summer and, you know, so I know a little, not, you, it's not just been the fire and it's not just been COVID. There's been a bunch of different <laughs> things that haven't quite gone as planned and are genuine losses, like yeah. your trip that got cancelled yes. and like, yes. started like way back in March, I guess, was it? That that was yeah. cancelled? Yeah, we... Mm-hmm. Yeah, go on, say a little about that. Well, we were going, uh, two friends and, and I were going to go to Spain and walk one of the Caminos. There's several Caminos um, in Spain, and we had a plan to do that. Right. And it was part of our work because we wanted to become guides to bring other people on those kind of transformational journeys. But we were also really looking forward to you know, ourselves. And so that, that, that was one of the heartbreaking things that got canceled in the spring. So, yeah. So yeah. I'm conscious to the heartbreak. I'm conscious yeah. to the difficulty. I'm conscious to, I can't even imagine the emotions when there's like a fire not far from your house and you have no idea what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. I look at your face and it's lit up with joy. Hmm. And it just fascinates me. And I love that you're bringing yeah. this because it, it feels like you have witnessed something, um, discovered mm. something that feels really mm-hmm. important, especially at this time. Like you're not bringing this because everything's been nice and easy and therefore no. we talk about joy, like <laughs> right, by any right. stretch. No. Yeah. I'm intrigued. By I, that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that it, it's been, it's definitely been a learning experience. Mm. Um, I, I recognized, you know, growing up, I think there was a joyful Kathy as a young child and she became serious somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got m- much more kudos for being mature, um, and probably got a little teased for being open hearted. 
about some things. And so uh, I think over, over time, the, the playful Kathy got disowned. Um, and, you know, and, and, and the serious Kathy and the grown-up Kathy uh, and the smart Kathy and the hardworking Kathy um, got a lot more affirmation and, uh, and reinforcement. Hmm. And so <clears throat> part of my own journey has been reclaiming the part of myself that is actually a joyful person. Mm. And the Enneagram's been really helpful with that. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're an Enneagram <laughs> one. <laughs> I am an Enneagram one. Or I, it's not so much that it's my identi- identity, but it's the strategy that most resonates with me. Yeah. About how I see the world, how I function, you know, where my motivations come from. And the, um, the Enneagram one is often known as the perfectionist. Um, but also a little more nuance in that is uh, they're, they're called the reformer or the improver, but you can always see something that could be better. You have this sort of ideal in your head of, of if it were just like this, everything would be okay, including yourself. If I was mm. just like this, everything would be okay. And so, so in for, reforming, improving myself has, has been part of my life experience. And I think part of my interest in transformation and the, in transformational work has come from this driven place of change, even in, in myself. Hmm. And so what the, what the Enneagram has done is it's broadened my view of what wholeness is because what the Enneagram one really wants, like that, that perfectionism is really about completeness. It's about being whole. And so um, I come to see that wholeness for me is inclusive of joy and inclusive of sorrow. Hmm. Um, And both the four that's so good with those darker emotions um, and being present and authentic in their experience and bringing beauty out of it has been so helpful for me. And then the seven um, and these are my lines as a one. These are the two numbers that I'm connected to in the, in the, um, the drawing, the graph um, <clears throat> of the Enneagram. And the seven is the enthusiast. The, the seven is the person about possibilities and spontaneity and joy, you know, mm. So um, those two have helped me to kind of broaden my own heart that they aren't mutually exclusive, that we need to be holding both of them in our human experience. And, um, and they don't cancel each other out either. Um, but it's, I think it's really important to hold, hold both of them. So so it's really been really helpful. I, I, I find that now part of my growing is that I get to play that, that <laughs> you know, that that's part of me. Um, and, and that that's been so beneficial to how I think about things, to how I interact with life, that I incorporate things that are fun and life-giving and joyful um, and that they're necessary. They're not just, see, this is the thing about, Enneagram once it's work before play. Hmm. That's like been my operating mode for years. 
And um, to sort of get to this point that no, play has a role. Fun has a role. Joy has a role in life that's life-giving. Um, that's just been sort of a, it's been a blessing to figure that out. Yeah. Um, but it's been really powerful too. Wow. So. Can we talk a little more about something you said there? You said about they're not mutually exclusive. So mm-hmm. um, I guess we're all uh, feeling the pinch of some of the pain points at the moment. Yeah. I would assume that would be true yeah. for most people. Yeah. So how do we not make them mutually exclusive? And then in a hard season, joy doesn't get to come out and play. Like how, right. how do they coexist? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I fully know how mm. they coexist. I just know that they do experientially. Um, so we can talk, like, if you have any ideas about how they do, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are, too. I, I saw a, um, a note from a friend of mine who just a couple days ago landed on a day where 10 years ago she began her journey as a pastor. And there's such joy in that anniversary. And she was amazed that she could still like be present to that joy and so grateful for it. And the same day, one year ago was the day that her husband went into the hospital for the last time before he died. So in that same day, in that same moment, in that same memory, she was amazed at the depth of sadness that was present. And she, so she kept using that word amazing. You know, and so, which is connected to wonder, right? So I wonder if that's also a connecting, if that's a connection point between joy and suffering and sadness is, is just, just the wondering of it, not trying mm-hmm. to explain it, but just noticing it, being present to it um, and, and letting it be. Um, so... Yeah. I think of that verse in the Bible of rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning mm-hmm. with those who mourn. And I, mm-hmm. I know I've said multiple times when I've taught on that, they are not two different people on two different days. Like they can off, it often is rejoicing with people and mourning with people at the same time. Like yeah. my, my season recently, which has been super complicated and full of a lot of pain and heartache. And yet, tremendous amounts of joy which as an Enneagram 4 I can miss <laughs> <laughs> yeah like sitting with the pain is super comfortable I can notice all of that hard yeah. emotion but um it's just such a good reminder like I love the image of the little boy up the mountain with the steam train whilst the world seems to be going to hell in a handbasket right like yes. both are true yeah. <laughs> Both are true. Right. Yeah, I think we, um, I I get concerned when we, um, I think we're losing our ability to hold things that look different in the same moment. You know, um, that, that affects our conversations with people. 
who think differently than we do. Um, and, and we kind of, we, we're, we're just getting into black and white thinking so often, which I'm super um, inclined to do, you know, I, but joy helps me kind of bump out of that a little bit, mm. you know? And um, so that's why I also think it's really important. Yeah. <laughs> it opens up possibilities instead of narrowing down um, right. our thinking. So, I mean, you'll know this as a coach, but the whole pushing against the binary, black and white, this or that, right. is often what the role of the coach is, is that we, yeah. so easily we all fall into that binary way of thinking. So yeah. something is either good or bad. A person is either a hero or a villain. Um, mm-hmm. And just recognizing it's not that straightforward. And the, the idea of finding a third way, which is what we help people to do, mm-hmm. um, feels like that invitation to, mm-hmm. if you collide two things together, what does that bring? Something different. Right, right. Um, but it's so, it's so worth noting, like stopping and naming it because yes. in actual reality, it's so easy to forget. I just think yeah. about, I think I've forgotten recently to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I think, um, I think we think our emotions and, and oftentimes they are, but we view emotions as what happens to us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because of circumstance or our reaction or response to circumstances. And so I know I've done this with joy that joy seems like it's a byproduct of pleasurable circumstances. And so if you're not having pleasurable circumstances, if you aren't enjoying the circumstances you're in, you're not having joy. And I think what I've learned about joy is you can cultivate it and it's important to cultivate and, um, and so there, there are times we can choose it um, and that that's beneficial to us. It's helpful to us. You know, it provides a lot of um, energy. Um, it provides clarity. It provides possibility thinking. Um, so it does, it, it does a lot. I think joy also helps us tune into what makes us come alive. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's what transformational work is inclusive of. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, there's, it's hard work. Transformational work is hard work. You know, it's a death and resurrection cycle. You know, it's disruptive. It's about letting go of things that aren't working anymore and finding the things that, that do work. But it's also about attuning to what is life-giving what is meaningful who you really are and so joy is such a big factor in that and mm-hmm. can sustain and even buoy the hard work so it doesn't all have to be hard or if it is hard we can kind of you know put a little fuel in the tank to allow us to keep going and doing the work and i think that's one of the biggest roles of joy in transformation is that it's fuel um, as well as clarity about who you are and what is, you know, meaningful, what makes you come alive. Um, so even Jesus, um, who went through a horrific death, said, the Hebrew author says, 
um, that we are to watch Jesus, you know, fix our eyes on him because he's the one who recognized joy and walked through something really hard, his death, before the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. He had this deep sense of knowledge um, about what was super meaningful to him, you know, the restoration of all things, um, the restoration of people that he loved. And that fueled him, that allowed him and supported him to be able to walk through something that we would consider to be horrific. Mm. So joy is really powerful. Yeah. Well, it's such a galvanizing force, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. I, I know that I teach when I'm teaching reform, I teach that there is always joy on the other side. And Mm -hmm. when you're going through this, you know, what we would call a liminal journey. So a crossing between one place and another crossing a threshold. um, There's, there's this moment of joy that happens somewhere around on the other side. And it feels like that was the thing that that scripture is pointing to. Um, that if you can somehow tap into the joy before you, mm-hmm. it helps you to go through the fire that's going to get you there. And mm-hmm. I wonder if you need it, if it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Like you have to go through the fire in order to get to that joy. Like there's something about it which is, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's gold, so it needs to be purified in the yes. process or, or something like that. Yeah. Not my feet. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think there's, I think there's a both and even there, you know, of, mm-hmm. of needing to uh, walk through that to find, to find, to find joy, but also I think joy fuels it in the moment or can mm. you know, um, fuel it in the moment. And whether that's anticipatory joy you know, joy comes in a variety of ways. You know, you can experience it in your circumstances. You can remember something um, that, that gives you joy. You can anticipate something ahead of you. And it still kind of has that joy hit um, that, that's energizing, um, you know, in the moment. So, mm. I love yeah. the fact that you name that it points to you know, the parts of ourselves as well that are intentionally there. So mm-hmm. really like honing in and clarifying what it is that brings us joy is mm-hmm. such an important step. And I, I guess is a awakening, a wisdom point for each of us, just knowing what pulls me out of the plodding of day to day, what brings me yeah. joy, which I'm guessing is different for all of yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that too. I think joy is personal. Um, I think it, there's, and we might even use different words um, for joy and have a different volume level on different, you know, times of joy. But I think, I think discovering what brings you joy um, is, is vital, you know, and it's probably connected. That's why, you know, as coaches, we're watching for, um, our clients for those moments when they come alive about something, we are paying attention to that. And it isn't always joy that where we see something's really resonating and life giving, but, 
but for us to notice when it is, you mm-hmm. know, and um, to be able to reflect that back and help people connect it. What is that joy connected to? You know, where is that joy coming from? Mm-hmm. So um, I have a, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to be really nosy and ask you what brings you joy. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's in, you know, the, um, that child um, yesterday, that little boy brought me so much joy. And I realized that um, um, I love the laughter of children. That mm-hmm. has always had a good connotation for me. Um, I've been a preschool teacher in another life um, a long time ago. And I, um, I loved the laughter of children. And so there's just something very whimsical about it. So that's one of the things that, that brings me joy. Um, another way I, I'll just tell you this in, in connection with one of the ways I cultivate joy is that I have a picture of my granddaughter on my phone. That's my screensaver. And I change it each week. I try to get a new one each week. So I kind of follow her, but all I have to do is pick up my phone to look at anything. And there is her face. And, um, that my husband and I just turn to each other once in a while, we'll show each other our phones and he has a different picture <laughs> on his phone, but it's just, it, it's just a simple thing. It's just a one little moment of joy and paying attention to what's really good in our lives right now. Hmm. Um, so music is another thing that brings me a lot of joy. So um, and and beauty I, I love being um i love being on these hikes i love the expansive views i love the beauty of flowers like i just this morning uh, i know our listeners can't see this but i um i clipped some flowers um, and just put them on my desk and they're sort of the, these bright colored flowers because um there's just something joyful about them Hmm. And, um, just try to intentionally do do a few things like that. I love that. That's it. simple. It's like yeah, and it works. And yeah, when you said before about cultivating joy, something in my head felt like right. There's another job for me to do. Like yeah. something to work at. And maybe there are times where that's true, and maybe it's easier than that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What what brings you joy, Helen? Just turning that. <laughs> ah, you turned it round <laughs> on me. Um, I one of my most joyful things is hiking with my dog on my own mm-hmm. in the forest. Mm-hmm. So, um, I love mountains, as you know. Mountains are my happy place. We don't have many of them near me, sadly. Yeah. Um. So I do love being up in the mountains. That brings me a lot of joy. But I've realised a close substitute is being out in the forest and there's just something about being surrounded by nature and nothing else mm-hmm. um i feel more connected to myself i feel more connected to god mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i feel more connected to everything um mm-hmm. so that's one of my big ones and then the other is people um i am super people focused <laughs> they 
they have to be the right people. Can I say that? Um, <laughs> some people don't bring me joy. Sorry. Um, but I love no, like a yeah. depth of conversation. So, um, you know, Waypoint has been one of my greatest joys in recent years because mm-hmm. there is in the schedule every other week, there is a conversation with people who are like-minded in some ways different in other ways but we have the type Mm -hmm. of conversation I've realized depth is one of my joys so yes I don't do well with um light chit chat um Mm -hmm. so for anyone out there who ever invites me to a party if we're ever allowed to go to parties again if you want polite (laughs) chit chat I am not your girl um but if you want a conversation on life death and the universe I am all in it brings me so much joy and hearing people's ideas and expanding thought I love all that kind of stuff so yeah yeah And what's interesting is it doesn't even have to be a conversation about joy. The conversation doesn't have to be necessarily super positive. Right. It has to be meaningful. Yes, exactly. Deep. Like that's what brings joy. Yeah. So it isn't, joy isn't like this fluffy, chattery, loud thing. Uh, Occasionally it might be, but for most of us, it's something else. So you've just reminded me of an occasion recently where I realized joy and sorrow sat hand in hand, which was um, one of my Waypoint Tribe conversations a few weeks ago. And um, we were just simply doing a check-in and I cried. Um, So I was so tired (laughs) Um, and life has been full and, you know, complicated recently. And um, I cried and I said to my tribe, I just have no time and I've not had an original thought in weeks <laughs> and so <sobbed. Yeah. laughs> like the yeah. four in me was like, I need space to think about something. And they just sat with me in it. They, they yeah. didn't correct it. They didn't make it nice. And I came off that call and I felt joy just from yeah. having had my sadness <laughs> witnessed. Like, yes, all it took. Yes. <sighs> I'd forgotten. About yes. That. Wow, to have your sadness witnessed. That's powerful. Yeah. A few weeks ago, you had Tim Pines on the podcast, and you talked about death and dying. Yeah. And he used a term that stuck with me. He used the term bright sighting. Right? And, And that's sort of a caveat to this conversation, that that's not the kind of joy we're talking about. You know, that bright sighting is about um, <clears throat> looking on the, you know, by definition, looking on the bright side of something. And it's usually premature that somebody wants to do that, that someone wants to bright side themselves um, and get, get themselves out of something that they're wrestling with, something hard, or to bright side somebody else um, and try to get them out of um, and, and we kind of think we're wanting to rescue them from their pain. Hmm. But when we do that, when we say, you know, um, well, think about this good thing, or at least you're not blah, blah, blah. Um, it's dismissive. Mm. It's using joy in a false way. What I would say is a false way to dismiss 
the reality of somebody's suffering. And um, that's not the kind of joy I'm advocating here. I'm not trying to dismiss. I really want to have the both and of, <clears throat> of being present to suffering, which sometimes, like your tribe, that gift of presence is what actually brought you joy. Yeah. Um, right. They didn't need to tell you, <clears throat> you just need to find something positive to do. You need to look at this from a different positive perspective. That wasn't, that wasn't how that came about. Right. So it really is about paying attention, you know, paying attention to um, when it, when is it time for joy um, and what kind of joy is needed and when is it not, <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's yeah. discernment. Yeah, that's good. So join suffering and not an either or they can right. coexist. Mm-hmm. Um, there's joy is super connected to transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, all that stuff around awareness and knowing what brings you joy, finding joy on the other side of things, but also being preempt, preemptive around that. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about the season we're in specifically at the moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and finding yeah. joy in this season? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it sounds like you've done it. Oh, it's possible. Today, today I'll say yes. <laughs> but today I'll say yes. Tomorrow, Boo-hoo. you know, um, you know, when this, because when this season first started, I was not joyful. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I felt like the rug got pulled out from under me and my plans, you know, that I couldn't even put into action that, um, and I had to rework and then rework again. And then they're still being reworked, you know. Um, and so many people were, um, there was sort of this flurry of activity at the beginning, you know, let's figure this out and this is how we do this and let's try this and let's pay attention to that. And, and um, I was watching this going, we, this is not going to be over quickly. Mm-hmm. This is going to take time. Um, we are being, this has been coming for a long time in different ways, but COVID has thrown us in like an inciting incident. It's just thrown us into a season um, where globally we're in this season, which of transformation, I would say. Um, and, um, transformation has all those seasons have all of the elements that transformation does of difficulty, of uncertainty, of, um, fear and anxiety. And, um, just the the unknown and the hard work and you can't just do what you've always done because it's not working anymore even if it's just the daily rhythms of life and so just that sense of disruption has been really really powerful and and then contributing to the dynamic are leaders who speak fear into our global system and so um, the rise of fear, the rise of anxiety, the rise of um, depression and offensiveness and entrenchment of ideas, you know, all those things are happening 
And it, it shuts us down as humans. It, it makes us smaller and less resilient and less capable. And um, although it's not the only thing, I see joy as somewhat of an antidote to that. Um, as a, um, an infusion of something that could carry us in these hard times and shape these times towards what, um, to have something good happen instead of just letting the fear kind of create what's going to happen, that we need to, to leverage joy, that we need to be, because joy leads to creativity, mm. you know, it's, you know, it, in terms of how it functions hormonally, it opens our thinking, it opens, it provides clarity and energy um, and connection with other human beings and all those other things, fear, and anxiety, they, they move us more towards disconnection from right. other, other people. And so that's one of the reasons why I think joy is so important um, for our world right now to cultivate um, not so that we can all be super happy, um, but so that we can be creative and that what gets created is something that we actually want, um, you know, not, not something that, we, um, that just gets created from fear, so, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, and one of the things which is apparently true of the season is that it's this giant sifting going on like cosmic sifting where we are all being forced to look at what matters partly because we're being squeezed um, we're being stopped from doing things by just the nature of this pandemic and you can kick against that which mm-hmm. we've probably all witnessed that happening mm-hmm. or you can allow it to help you to see what really matters yeah and this is one of the things that has been fascinating to me is um i see different types of people looking at it differently um and there are some people in fact there are a good number of people who are allowing this to be the sifting aspect of crisis Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, as every Mm -hmm. good crisis does, is it sifts Mm -hmm. you, um, until you figure out what stays and what goes. And, um, I would say that my last six months have been full of joy, which is insanely bizarre to me. Mm -hmm. This is not what I thought I would say at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. especially as somebody who naturally struggles, I can be a little bit joy deficient at times. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but I, the simpler things, things that I would have maybe taken for granted and not noticed, yeah. which are actually a conduit to joy, I'm seeing them differently. I'm conscious to them in a new yeah. way. Um, and it feels like that we were all sold a narrative around this is what life should be like and this is what you should do and just the onslaught of busyness and climbing the ladder mm-hmm. to get to the top and blah, 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 mm-hmm. all the stuff. Mm-hmm actually this threw everybody to the bottom and it, it's it's been a leveler in some ways but mm-hmm. I think it also has allowed us to have the opportunity to find simple pleasures and simple joys mm-hmm. yeah um in a way yeah. that maybe could have been missed otherwise 
Yeah, I really agree. Yeah. Mm. So, um, Joy. <laughs> I feel like I want to go and sit and journal now. Right, what brings me joy? <laughs> um, like yeah. It feels like even just putting it in front of you is yeah. creative. Like, huh. Yes. Just yes. that is, is so yeah. helpful. Right. Yeah, I have a rock. I mean, I... I look over it so I don't see it all the time, but it says joy on it. Mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a rock on my desk that says joy, you know? Um, so sometimes it's just the things that are in front of you yeah. that remind you, right? Literally that, but um, just even framing the question. Yeah, I think about that for us as transformational workers. So, um, you know, which we understand as coaches and spiritual directors, as counselors, as as people who intentionally have um, skillful one-on-one conversations for the sake of someone else's transformation. Um, You know, for us to ask that question of our clients, you know, of our parishioners, of our counselees, about what brings them joy, about us incorporating that into our practice um, is another way that professionally we can cultivate joy in the world. So not just in ourselves, but can we have it in the space? Can we, can we really notice when it's showing up in another conversation and name it and make, and kind of turn up the volume, if you will, for other people around joy and what brings them joy. Um, It seems like a worthy, um, a worthy effort. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I love that. We tend to wrap up these episodes by uh, throwing out a challenge, uh, something yeah. for people to kind of take out of this. Um, do you have a joy challenge for us? Yeah. Well, I think for uh, for those people who are listening who kind of are doing the work that we do, I think. That, what I just said, is probably my challenge to them is to look for ways um, like, or to ask yourself the question, where is joy present in your own practice? Um, and how are you cultivating joy in your own practice with your clients? And so it could look a lot of different directions. Like, like we've agreed that, you know, joy shows up differently. And that's true for our work as well as, you know, what brings us joy. Um, and then I think for... Um, for everyone, because we're all personal, uh, whether we're professional in this, in this work or not, there's still our own joy, our own journey of, of cultivating joy. Um, I would encourage you to take joy for a ride. Hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is try it out and see what happens in your week or in your work. Um, like you mentioned, Um, journaling, to sit down and journal what brings you joy, or just to do something intentional um, that's joyful to you this week. And just see, just see what happens. Just make it as simple as that. Mm. Um, I had, um, I'll share one more experience that I had um, in doing that myself and taking joy for a ride. Um, And it was on, um, 
the backpacking trip that I recently did with two friends that was the um, plan B for our Camino. We couldn't do the Camino in April. And so we designed this backpack trip um, just last month in, in Colorado. And we went up some pretty steep, <clears throat> high mountains, a lot of elevation. And for me coming from California, it's a big elevation change uh, in and of itself. So that, and then you're carrying a 40 pound pack on your back and, and hiking all these miles. And um, I felt God whisper to me about joy and somehow using joy. And, you know, there's a scripture, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so I thought, I wonder how literal this is. <laughs> how literal could this be? And so I, like the first day, I just, I couldn't sing out loud because I had no breath. You know, I was running out of breath. But in my head, I was singing little songs to myself. And even though they were like old and I couldn't remember enough joy songs. And so I kept doing the old, you know, Sunday school-ish songs that are simple. It it was unbelievable that it was working for me. Mm. Um, <laughs> that it that I wasn't paying as much attention to how difficult um, the trail was. And then the next day we went up this really really steep climb, and I made a playlist that day of songs that were inspiring to me. And I I turned that playlist on, and it connected me to joy in a way that allowed me to be to enjoy my surroundings instead of being so focused on how difficult it was and how heavy things were, um, I could lift up my head and look at the beautiful scenery. Um, and so I was really, I mean, it took me up the mountain, literally. Wow. And um, I was grateful for that lesson that in that very, again, simple way of using music, um, inspiring music gave me energy to look at my challenging situation in a different way. And I still mm -hmm. had to do it. I still, still had to put forth the effort. It was still hard. But there was this beautiful balance of joy in something that was really hard. Um, and then the satisfaction of that at the top of getting there. So take joy for a ride, you know, in whatever, whatever your circumstances are mm. um, today or this week and just, just see, just see, just observe, just be a scientist in your own life and observe um, the incredible power of joy. Hmm. I, tomorrow I'm switching into my teaching job. So I teach uh, fourth graders mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I just thought, I wonder what it would look like for me to bring joy tomorrow to cultivate yeah. joy even to yeah. ask the question what brings you joy yeah and I love the idea Do it. yeah right oh, something I've never thought of before right right yeah. such a simple question and yet I and also I think ha huh, I wonder who's going to hear this like I wonder which grade school teacher or which coach or which um person working in a store who could bring some joy in just whatever day-to-day -day moment and I love that metaphor which for you was literal of carrying the pack up the mountain but I there are so many people carrying packs up mountains that yes, I yeah. would love the idea 
that this Mm -hmm. sparks some joy conversations yeah those packs still have to be carried but maybe they maybe there's the both and within that (laughs) yeah definitely and it actually lightens the load the physical load the emotional load it 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 holds it with you so yeah yeah Kathy, this has been a joy. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Thank you for bringing this. Thank you for following your intuition that this was the conversation to end this series. And I'm glad that it was you that brought it as well um, for all the work thank that you. you do in Waypoint and, yeah, for inspiring these conversations and helping cr- to create them to make them happen. Um, oh, thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, so good. Well, um, I can tell you right now, people, we will be hearing more from Kathy Sandquist in coming seasons. Watch this <laughs> space. Um, but for now, Kathy, thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, good to be with you.